Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics, 40K Codex Analysis, List Building, Strategy Development, Game Theory, Mentoring. Our mission, to help you become a better player and to raise the level of the game both on and off the tabletop. Here's your host, Stephen Box. Hey, and welcome to the Warhammer 40k Rules Courthouse podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Box, and my co-host today is Eddie Stanton. How you doing, Eddie? Yeah, good cheers, mate. How are you? I'm doing very well. Now, this is your first time on the podcast, and not only is it your first time on the podcast, but it also, as you probably got from the title, a slightly different show. So now, yeah. Eddie, this was your... This was kind of your baby really, wasn't it? This was kind of, or well, we were having a conversation about something and I would love for you to tell the listeners, first of all, how this show came about and what is most importantly, the aim of this show. So yeah, we uh, all started out just having a chat about some of the dodgier rules interactions in the game that we'd come across that were causing a bit of confusion here and there um, amongst our academy mostly. Um, and also the ones that we'd sort of spotted online in the community. Um but yeah, we, we just thought it'd be a good idea to, to try and run through some of these interactions, get to the bottom of them and clear them up so that people could, you know, understand them better and also get to see them from your perspective, Stephen. Obviously, you're a playtester for GW and um, an ambassador for Fair Play as well, which is something that we all try and maintain here at VT. So, yeah. Because we've actually got a Discord chat, don't we? And we have a Discord channel called The Rules Courthouse. We do. And there's been some, yeah, some really good discussions and debates in there. And it's probably one of the channels I am most frequent in, um, as I really feel like, you know, getting the rules right is extremely important. Um, and obviously, you know, as a playtester and just as a general gamer, I want to do what's fair. I want to do what's fair, what's balanced. And hopefully we can cover some of these really cool rules that are out in there or out in the world of 40k and we can simplify them and we can hopefully give you a way of using these in a fair, balanced way at the tabletop. And if there is anything that might be a slightly gray area, then give you some ideas as to what to do next. Um, so yeah, I think hopefully by the end of this show, we're going to cover one of the uh, hottest topics at the moment. And if you would like one of your questions answered from us, or maybe there's a rule that you're unsure of that you'd really like us to go into detail in, then what you can do is head over to the Instagram of Vanguard Tactics, which is at the Vanguard Tactics, and shoot us a message and just say, hey, I've got a question or I've got a rule that I'd love you to cover on the rules courthouse. And this is what it is. And I will pass that to Eddie and Eddie will do his best to produce this show. Um, and then I'll come on and we'll discuss it and give our hot takes, won't we? Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, the trickier the rules question, the better, really, because um, there are some that don't often come up, um, but when they do, they can be really difficult to decipher. Um, and those are usually the ones that we end up discussing the most in the rules courthouse. In what is the biggest problem with the game of 40k in, in terms of playing competitively? How does it differ to something like chess or even a computer game, Eddie? I think it's um, it's harder to balance, obviously. You know, if you look at chess, it's a very balanced game. Um, I think there's a slight first-turn advantage, but we have that in our game as well. Um, but if you look at games 
like that and compare them to 40k i think that not only are we are we spanning like multiple different factions that have tons of different abilities um but we also have very complex rules and each army has their own complex rules as well as the base rules of the game and i think that sometimes it can be very easy to sort of get lost looking for rules in in your codex into like faqs into the rule books and you know, it's it is a very deep game to learn and it takes time for everybody to get to that sort of stage where they feel even comfortable with the core rule set. So I think that the learning curve is probably one of the bigger factors of the game. Um, but when you get hold of it, it's great. And, you know, you feel like you can enjoy the game a lot more. Absolutely. And we really want this podcast uh, or this show in particular to really help people with their confidence at the table with the rule set and also give them some clarity as to what to do next. And like we said, if we can kind of smooth over some of those interactions where maybe that you are having a debate at the table, or maybe you've interpreted the rules differently to your opponent, how can you navigate around this in a fair and balanced way uh, for both players? So we're going to give you some great advice for all of these different shows. Okay. So Eddie, before we kick off, what rule are we going to be looking at today? So we're going to be looking at the new fight first and fight last sort of, um, interactions that have been clarified in a recent FAQ. Um, we're just basically going to go over how the fight phase works now, um, what's changed and uh, what's remained the same, uh, and just try and clear up any of the sort of trickier combinations of fight first and fight last abilities because uh, they can get a little bit confusing if you're not used to them. Yeah, and then what we could do at the end is also cover some tactical nuances where we can take the rules and this is exactly what we try to do on the Academy is take the core rule set, understand them completely and in, in their entirety, and then use that at the tabletop and use those core rules to inform better decision-making, better critical thinking, and ultimately helping you play the game in the right way. Okay. But before we do that, Eddie, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Cause I feel like, you know, obviously you're new to the podcast. People know me by now. People need to know you, Eddie. So when did you start playing 40K? So I've been playing 40K on and off since I was about 13 years old. Um, my best friend got me into it and uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've paid the price ever since. And um, it's uh, it's been a sort of on and off thing. I was mostly into the hobby of it, originally painting, modeling, that sort of stuff. And then uh, back at the end of 8th edition, I really started to pick up more of the competitive side of the game. Um, mostly just playing it with a couple of mates and um, it sort of grew from there. And as I was taking it more and more seriously, started watching more and more stuff, found out about Vanguard Tactics and uh, and yourself, Stephen. And I just really liked what you were putting out and also just your sort of mantra with the game, like the the focus on, on competitive play, the focus on fairness and, you know, good sportsmanship and all of that sort of side of the game. Um, because... As you can probably guess, I'm a bit of a stickler for playing the game correctly. Um, not because I want to be difficult, but because I think, you know, that's what people want. They want a fair game at the end of the day. No feels bad moments. Um, but yeah, so I've joined the Academy back in February um, and I've been absolutely loving it. It's honestly, I've, I said to Stephen before, it's uh, it's the thing I didn't know I was missing from the hobby. Um it's just a fantastic community. All of the content that you guys put out has been amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Awesome. Nice. Absolutely wicked. And what faction are you playing at the moment? 
So I've been mostly playing Dark Angels, a bit of Necrons, but I'm looking to get into Orcs as the uh, Codex comes out, just because I've always been an Orc player at heart and I'm just waiting for new Orc boys and here they come. So Very exciting times, I think. Yeah, definitely. I'm still getting my head around the new Sisters Codex. I'm so torn with all the options. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. So that's kind of what I'm looking at next. Uh, but anyway, let's kick this off. Um, fights first, fight last. So where has this changed happened? And it was in the chapter approved 2021 book, wasn't it? It was, yes. Um, the GW popped out a uh, FAQ also um, dealing with it. And um, there's a document that they also released, um, which I'm sure we can link with the podcast, which helps clear up a little bit of, it's like a designer's commentary uh, to try and clear up some of the interactions. But uh, it wasn't very long ago that we saw it come out. And uh, it's been, as we said before, causing just a few confusing issues. But actually, when you break it down, you'll find that it's a much clearer and simpler way of ruling the fight phase. So let's describe before the FAQ or before the chapter approved. What was the fight phase looking like then? So we had some interactions uh Basically, we what we weren't sure about was whether charging counted as fight first. And I think that's where a lot of the issues were coming from. And that's why I think that this FAQ was needed. Um, because obviously there are fight first abilities in the game. And there are also fight last abilities in the game. And as we'll see later on, there are a couple of different wordings to some of those abilities. And not only was that causing confusion, but the charging and fight first was, was also on top of that, causing another level. So now that we have this sort of clearer rule set, we can really break it down much, much simpler for you guys. And also before fight last was more powerful than fight first. It was. It was a real super trump, wasn't it? It was, yeah, because you uh, you couldn't counter it as easily as you can now um, with fight first abilities. And also they were stackable. Indeed. So you could have a charge, you could also have fight first, and then you could put on that unit multiple fight lasts. And it just got extremely complex. Yeah. So this was something that, you know, I really wanted to just make really super clear. Um, you know, that was kind of my, um, well, what, on my wish list. And Games Workshop have absolutely delivered this because I think it's one of those things that, especially when you're trying to teach this kind of phase, it's very difficult when you've got all these, okay, but if that, if then, and this then happens. And um, I think what the rules team have done is a fantastic job of just bringing real clarity and a streamlined approach. Um, but a lot of the wording's different, right? And that's one of the biggest problems. So Eddie, what was the, when this originally came out, where was the original confusion with people, in our, especially in our rules courthouse? What was the, some of the conversations and discussions people were having? One of the more contentious issues that came up recently at the Academy was the difference between the fight last abilities. Um, we had a couple of different wordings. Um, on the one hand, we had abilities such as the Silent Kings, obeisance generators. Um, they use the wording, units cannot fight until all other eligible units have done so. And then on the other hand, we have something like the Judiciar's Temper Mortis ability, which uses a slightly different wording of that unit is not eligible to fight this phase until after all eligible units from your army have done so. And um, this was causing the fight last ability to be sort of split into these two different camps because of the wording. 
uh, with cannot and not eligible. So in effect, we all believed that the temper mortis was a more powerful fight last than obesity generators. Okay, right. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously just to really uh, bring this back to the core baseline, when we think about the fight phase, essentially now what we've got is a complete streamlined approach, haven't we? We do. We've got, and this was something that I really took some time to explain to everybody, is that we want a streamlined, simple approach to find out the order of who swings. A little bit like an initiative. So who's the quickest off the mark when we're in the fight phase? Who gets to swing first? That is the that is exactly why these rules have been written, so that we have, for example, charges. We then have ongoing combats. And then we have units that have been made to fight last. So now what's changed is the fight first rule. So if a unit is lucky enough to have that rule inbuilt, they essentially fight at the start of the fight phase at the same time as if you charged. And that was kind of what it was before. And that's really been cleared up now to basically say, if you charge, you get the fight first rule. So the fight first in charging rules are pretty much the same initiative step. So we've got step one. So think of this as Usain Bolt tier of fighting. You've got people that have either charged in or have the rule fighting first. And now you start with, and this is the important thing, when you and your opponent both have these same rules, you start with the player whose turn it is. And we're going to cover order of proceedings on another rules courthouse. But essentially, if you've got a unit that have charged in, so they therefore gain the fight's first rule into another unit that also has it. So let's say Emperor's Children also have that always fights first. You just start with the player whose turn is going first. So that's your Usain Bolt order. Okay. Then you've got the regular people. The regular people are fighting where this is an ongoing combat where nobody charged. They've just happened to be in engagement range of one another. And actually now we start with, and again, we'll carry on alternating through like we would with the fight first. We start with the player whose turn it is not. Okay. So it'd be actually the other player's turn. They would be the person that would actually pick the first unit to swing with. And then we have the really slow people <laughs> and the fight. So everybody that's been made to fight last. And actually, once again, you now start with the player whose turn it is. Okay. So it's really simple. Now what games workshop have also done is as we said, we've had some different wordings here. They've basically amalgamating all of these things together. So when I read the silent Kings obsidious generators, I'm just basically looking through those words and thinking they fight. He makes somebody fight last. And then the judicious doing exactly the same. They're not eligible to fight until the, you know, after everyone else in a roundabout way. If I was to summarize that in, I'm pretty simple. I'm a very simple person, you know, keep it simple. Stupid is my motto. I read that and I read, okay, you're making me fight last. And I think that's sometimes the best way to look at these things. It's just with a very simplistic approach. And that will pretty much be a good indication to get you roughly where you need to be. And then some wording, as we're going to come on later, may deviate ever so slightly. 
But now we've got a clear intent there of how, and this is, again, this is my interpretation of the rules. Um, and this is not everybody's, but this is my interpretation. And if you're ever unsure, and this is something that we're going to caveat on every single podcast, is if you are unsure of a rule, please, please, please email your TO ahead of time to ask them how you would like or how they would like that certain rule implemented. So if you're at a completely uh, different viewpoint of, let's say myself or whatever, and you think, no, Steve, you're wrong. I don't see it like that. Email your TO ahead of time and just get that clarification on how they want to play that rule, because that's going to really help you understand before you get to the tabletop. And maybe you don't take that unit if potentially the rules not how you wanted it to be. Okay. So even before you get to the tournament, you've already made that decision. Okay, cool. It's not being played like that. That's not a problem. Um, and I'm not going to take it rather than getting to the table and you're in game three, it's a bit of a hot moment. And all of a sudden Tio comes over and goes, no, it's not how you play that. And all of a sudden you've just lost the game because of a misinterpretation. And that's what we want to try to stop. Now, the other thing that you could also do is agree with your opponent before you start playing, before any dice are rolled whatsoever. Hey, could I get your viewpoint on this? How do you think this works? A very open-ended question where you're not putting any bias on it. How do you think this works? And you present them the rule just to read, read clearly, because often we can read rules with our own bias implemented first. So if I'm, let's say a Drakari player who's got a fight last, or if I'm the Silent King, I'm going to see this Silent King wording as this is the most powerful fight last you've ever seen in the world because I'm a Necron player and I've just spent all that money on the Silent King and I've painted him. I'm heavily invested in him. His rule needs to be the best, right? Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. He is a beast. So we want to try and be unbiased with this. And this is kind of why we're going through those that simplicity. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I think it's very easy for people to get caught up. And we're all passionate about the hobby and um, people do get defensive of their rules sometimes. And it, it's difficult because we all we want to do is try and clear up the, the correct way of ruling a rule. And I think in the rules courthouse, when we're discussing these kind of things, we always try and remain unbiased because at the end of the day, that's going to get the best answer. Um, and I think yeah. that's important. And sometimes we've got to put ourselves in... I often do this. I put myself in the shoes of a rules writer and I think, what would, what would I be meaning at this point? You know, cause there are, there's different ways to describe something, right? Yeah. There's, there's a different, different ways to describe something, but actually could mean the same thing. Yeah. Um, everyone and uses what, different vernacular. Exactly. Um, and that's where this whole word of in, intention, you know, was that intended to be that way? So let's recap. Now the fight phase We've got fight first units. So fight first units either have an ability that will say on their data sheet or they, maybe you've given them a power stratagem, whatever it might be, or they may have charged. Now you will start with the player whose turn it is taking place first and you'll alternate between all of the units that have that ability. Okay. Then what will happen is once all of those units have fought, you will then continue alternating with the units that have not charged or do not have the fight first rule. So basically the normal dudes, not the Usain Bolts of the world. So the normal dudes are now going to fight. Okay. And you're going to carry on alternating. And then what we're going to have is all the really, really all the snails that are fighting last because they've been, you know, had an ability on them. 
And um, yeah, then they're going to start alternating as well. Okay. So again, we need to consider these rules when we are in the charge phase and having a really good understanding of your rules and also your opponent's rules is going to be crucial to make sure that you make the right amount of charges and you understand which unit you should pick first with. And this is where these rules are really important because if you pick with the wrong unit, you could be in big, big trouble. You might instantly lose one of your, you know, your real powerhouse or MVP units because you didn't select them correctly in the order of the fight phase. Because there's something else, isn't there, which uh, can be a bit of a uh, curveball. What stratagem is that? Uh, that's the counter-offensive stratagem, um, which is obviously letting you sort of interrupt the flow of combat with a unit. Um, most most of the time, you'd be using it on one of your fight normal units to interrupt the fight first chain, um, and obviously, it can be a, a big game changer. Yeah, um, but the I mean, it's it isn't the only issue with it now is that you cannot use it. On, an, a, on a unit that is affected by a fight last ability, but not simultaneously a fight first ability. Um, the way that GW have ruled this now, um, as like an addendum to what you were saying, is that if a unit is simultaneously affected by fight first and fight last, then it becomes fight normal. So that would then go into the pool of fighting normal units. Um, obviously, those ones are all able to be used the counteroffensive stratagem. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And this is something that we haven't obviously quite touched on yet is when a when a model or a unit is under the effects of multiple abilities. So obviously when you, if you have the ability always fights first and you charge, you don't gain an extra, you know, you don't get Usain Bolt with Red Bull and wings. You don't get that sort of level. You just, you're just at Usain Bolt level. And um, same for, you know, if you're the snail pace, you can't be, snail with an extra big shell and it's going to slow you down even further. You're just a snail. All right. Now, when you, however, like you said there, let's say you've got a Usain Bolt unit and Mr. Judas comes along and he goes, no, going to make you snail pace before he took you, even if you charged right back to the bottom of the queue, right? Yeah. However, now they just cancel each other out. So you're not Usain Bolt. You're not a snail. You're just a regular dude right in the middle. Like, Stephen Box pace in the middle there. And that's, well, that's where you're fighting right there. Okay. Now it's like you said, those units are eligible to interrupt and use that stratagem because what you cannot do is if you've got the always fights first rule. So let's say I've got two units that charged and you've got two units that have the rule always fights first. And let's imagine there's no other combats going on. I would go, you would go, I would go, you would go. And you wouldn't have to spend any CPs because obviously you have that rule always fights first, which is great. If so, basically, if you're the defender being charged and you have that rule, you essentially get to use the counter interrupt stratagem for free as many times as you want as you've got it on those units. That's effectively how it's working, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you don't have that, then you can use that stratagem for two CPs to interrupt the combat and disrupt the order because otherwise if you don't have those rules Eddie and if I make four charges I'm going charging unit one charging unit two charging unit three charging unit four and then if you've got anything left then you can fight back but what now we can do is I can go charging unit one you can pick one of your units to use that counter interrupt stratagem on to disrupt the order so now you go and then I would go to my second charging unit my third charging unit and my fourth charging unit 
Yeah, and if I was being clever about it, I'd obviously choose the combat with a unit that you hadn't fought with yet. So that would hopefully cost you one of your activations. Absolutely, or maybe kill one of my units off. Exactly, right? yeah. Before they get to swing. Precisely. However, like you said earlier, if you're made to be a snail and fight last, then you cannot use that stratagem because essentially you have to fight at the bottom of the pile, even if you want to spend those two CPs, you can't. So you're going to have to do that on just a regular, normal fighting unit. Correct. Yeah. So if we, if we use the example, a very good one is the Silent King with his obedience generators. If he got um, charged by multiple units, um, because he he's giving fight last and those units charged, they would then become fight normal because obviously that their charges are a fight first now. Um, so it would actually start with me as the Silent King attacking first because it would not be my turn as, as I was charged. Um, so he still would get to go first. And it, in the next turn, obviously, it would be an, a normal ongoing combat. And because now none of them have got fight first rules and none of them charged, uh, he he would still go first, but it would mean that none of them would be able to use the interrupt strat if there were other combats going on. So they couldn't interrupt at all, um, which would mean they would literally have to fight him last, which is great. It's very powerful. Yeah. So your fight last ability becomes really powerful when your opponent did not charge because they are not gaining that fight first rule. Exactly. So one of the best ways to counter that is to charge, which is awesome. And also the best, best way to counter somebody with a fight last is to charge them and then to make them fight last. Yep. Because you put them, although what would happen is, so let's say um, I've got a unit of sanguinary guard who don't have any special rules whatsoever. I mean, they got a couple, but not in terms of this. Uh, and then I've got Judaser who makes somebody fight last. Then what I can do is charge in. So I get the fight first rule. Charge in the Judaser, make the Silent King fight last. So I put him to the bottom of the pile. But although the Silent King can make my Sanguinary Guard be normal, normal stage still happens before the fight last stage. So therefore... The Sanguinary Guard fight before the sang- uh, the Silent King because all fight normals happen before fight last. However, if there was a unit of warriors there that were not made to fight last, but the Silent King brought the Sanguinary Guard back to just a normal level, the warriors would actually swing before the Sanguinary Guard do because it's the non-player's turn picks first because the Sanguinary Guard lose their fight first, the Warriors go before the Sanguinary Guard do, then the Sanguinary Guard would go, and then the Silent King would go, because he's been made to fight last by the Judicer. So it gets quite complex, or a little bit more complicated when there's multiple units, but just think of it as these three stages, super fast, normal, snail pace. And it starts to then just make this a little bit simpler. Yeah, and I think that uh, as the as people sort of get used to this, um, you'll find that you'll get more comfortable with manipulating the fight phase. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of the sort of more competitive levels of play will start to come out. And we've already seen this before, but um, if you can try and manipulate the fight fight phase to your advantage, so that you can obviously hit with the units you want to hit with first, um, or hit with more units than your opponent, just by 
sort of working out where the fight firsts and charges are coming from and which units have fight last, you can actually start to think, right, where do I need to use the counter offensive stratagem? And you can play it out in your head a little bit before combat starts. Um, It's definitely worth doing. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, a good little stack that I would often teach is, um, let's say you've got a unit that has fight last that that you can give to somebody. And then you've got another unit what you want to do is do a double charge. So let's say you've got two small units that you know can't kill a, um, a big unit individually, but they might be able to kill a bigger unit together. This is how you can stack these things together. So you're charging with both. You've got the fight first rule. Now to stop them from interrupting, because what could happen is you go with your small unit, maybe kill a couple of models, then they spend the counter-interruptive stratagem and then kill your other unit before they get to chance to finish the unit off. So what you do first of all is you go in with both, but now you make them fight last. So then they are not eligible to use that stratagem. So now it gives both of your units opportunity to fight. Now remember, because they can't interrupt the combat anywhere else, this gives you an opportunity to charge somewhere else on the table, but pick that combat first. So you go in somewhere else, let's say somewhere else randomly on the table, because you're not making the other unit fight for, uh, fight last, you go there first of all, try and do as much damage as you possibly can. So then their opportunity to use the counter-interruptive stratagem is with the unit that's just been, you know, punched out, you know, whatever, um, or seriously wounded or injured or most of their models removed. They probably won't. And then you can go with the other two units that have made that are bullying that other big, large unit, uh, because you make them fight last. And this is where how many charges you make is really important from a tactical decision making. And you need to start making these decisions at the start of the command phase. And this is something that we really go into detail on in the academy in the charge phase module that we have, because this is crucial. And we've also got some other little um, examples and tips in scenarios of how you can actually use things like transports and how to base models so that if they can still use that stratagem, then they are limiting the amount of attacks they can actually put back on you so you can limit their potential bite back. So Eddie, is there anything else? So we're saying pretty much all fight last abilities are roughly the same. There are thereabouts. All fight first rules are pretty much the same. And then all all more normal speed rules are obviously the same following that order. And we'll put a link to the blog post um, and all the show notes will be on the website as per usual. You can check that out on the Vanguard Tactics blog page. So anything else, Eddie, that we've missed? Yeah, there are there are a couple of abilities which um, kind of circumvent things somewhat. Um, one of them is Revolting Stench Vats, which uh, is dished out by the Foul Blightspawn for the Death Guard. I'm sure everyone's familiar with it. Um, basically, what that does is remove Fight First abilities um, from enemies within six inches of it, including charges, which is obviously because now they're Fight First as well. Um, so that's actually quite a powerful bit of kit because if we look at let's say you charged a foul blight spawn um with just one unit now actually what's happening is you're both fight normal units at which point the foul blight spawn uh is going to get to attack first because it's not his turn so that's something to watch out for um he has two abilities when you combine this with a relic right he does yes he can also choose a uh, unit within three to fight last okay which is now you've got Units that do not count as charging, so you don't get any charging bonuses, so you don't get your plus one attack, etc. And you also didn't count as charging, so you won't get your fight first ability. 
Then what you can do is put you to the back of the queue. Yeah. Which would stop you interrupting the combat as well. So if you charged into, um, I don't know, let's say I charged my unit Sangrony Guard into two unit of Pox Walkers, right? But you took away my charging bonus. So now it would go a unit of Pox Walkers, me, the second unit of Pox Walkers. However, because you can also make me fight last, not only do I not count as charging, but then you can pick a unit that would be the Sangrony Guard to put me to the back of the queue. Exactly. So therefore, it would go Poxwalkers, Poxwalkers, Sangrony Guard. Yeah, the uh, the revolting stench vats is the relic. He he always had he na- na- innately has the ability to make a unit fight f- fight last within three. Um, but it's a, it's a really powerful tool. Um, another one is Soul Horror, which comes from the Collector's Assassin, um, and that is very similar. It basically conveys fight last to units within three inches, and also removes fight first abilities. So it kind of does both of what we were just talking about at once. Because now this is a bit of an outlier because it's a bit of a strange wording on this one. And obviously it's from a um, a Psychic Awakening book, which was obviously written back in 8th edition. And this is probably the only exception I can probably see in terms of the wording because it is the only one which explicitly says, including units that fight first or charged. It explicitly says that in the stratagem, doesn't it? It does. So now the Kluxus Assassin not only makes you fight last, if you don't have any other rules, but he also puts you right back to the queue, even if you had fight first. So he kind of takes you back two stages rather than one. And that that's how it is. Rules is written. Now, from a fair perspective, I see this as, okay, well, the Kluxus Assassin is a hundred points. He's added into the army, particularly for this role. He does a couple of other abilities, but for a hundred points, he's not game breaking by any stretch of the means. He's not like a smash captain that can go in, you know, kill a repulse or whatever. He's 100 points and it costs two CPs every single time you want to play the stratagem. So yes, it's powerful, but in terms of balance and fairness, rules is written. That's how I would play it for now. Um, And and that's exactly what I would do. And I still think that's fair, to be honest. Um, And again, if you're unsure, if you're using the Gluxus Assassin, just email your TO ahead of time to say, how would you like the Kluxus Assassin's uh, rules to be played? Is it just going to count as a normal fight last, like the Silent King, the Judases, and everybody else's? Or um, does he also um, take away people's charging bonus, etc., in terms of the fight first aspect of it? Um, and just ask that question before you include the Kluxus Assassin in your list. Or ask your friend before you play them so you can come to a fair, balanced agreement. I think it's fair that you can, just because it, the the amount of resources that you need to put into him to, for, in order for it to work. If he was just an 80 point elite character and it was for free, I'd be like, nah, come on. That's, um, that's a bit, you know, a bit too strong, but, uh, for his ability, his points and his stratagems, I think it's probably fair for now. Yeah, definitely. He, um, he's one of those sort of units that's very likely to get a, a wording update as it comes into ninth as well. So it, it probably won't be around in this form for too long. Yeah. Absolutely. But then, you know, the CP cost may be lower for that stratagem. So yeah, exactly. who knows what's going to happen? Because obviously if you take away the power of something, then it shouldn't cost as many resources. So anyway, that's, um, you know, just something that may happen in the future. Who knows? Uh, but obviously all these things for now, I think is fair and balanced. Okay. 
Have we missed anything else? I don't believe so. I think um, it might be worth going over an example scenario um, that people might come up against in a game just to just to try and clarify um, a breakdown of a of an interesting and complicated fight phase. Okay, so is this where you sort of throw me under the bus and throw me a curveball? Is it right? Yeah. Go on, then. give me the scenario. What have well, you? Uh, let's uh, let's use the new hotness. We'll get some uh, some Drakari in there. Um, so if you uh, if you if if I'm I'm playing the Drakari, I bring in some witches, which obviously have fight first. Um, some incubi, which have uh, tormentors, which can apply fight last. Um, let's say some Kabbalites, which obviously don't have any abilities like that. And then let's bring an Archon with the Kabbalites who has the Hatred Eternal Warlord trait, um, which again conveys fight last. Uh, you can be playing Admech. Uh, and I think if you have three units of Rust Stalkers and one of them has the fight last relic. Okay, yeah. And I'm charging you, right? You charge me. Okay. Let's see what happens. Let's shake it out. Okay, so let's clarify this. You've got four units. You've got a fight first unit. You've got a unit that could make me fight last or turn off my charging bonus. You've got a unit of Cabalites with no special rules whatsoever. And also you've got an Archon with Eternal Hatred that immediately gives a fight last. And then I've just got three units of Rust Stalkers. Okay, so how would I do this? I've got three units of Rust Stalkers, one of which can make you fight last. Now, the Incubi are an interesting one, because if the Incubi make me fight last, that's a problem. But you do, there is a chance that you fail the roll-off, right? Because you need to roll over my leadership, correct? Correct. Okay. I don't really want to take that risk. Not with your rolling, Steve. Yeah, no. No, exactly. So, I'm going to make how many charges? I'm going to make three charges, not obviously, but I only want to engage three units. So I'm going to charge the witches with my unit that has the fight last relic. Okay. No, take that back. I'm just going to charge the witches with a regular unit. Okay. Okay. Just a regular unit of rust stalkers. That's what I'm going to charge. I also want to kill those incubi. So what I'm also going to do is charge in the incubi with another unit of rust stalkers, but this is the one that's going to have the fight last on it. Okay. Yep. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to charge the unit of Cabalites, but meanwhile, I'm going to ensure that I'm stay outside of three inches so that pesky Archon cannot heroically intervene and then make me fight last. Good plan. Okay. And I'm going to explain that is my intent and make sure that my first model that I move into combat, I'm going to say, look, I'm 3.1 inches away from that Archon. He cannot heroically intervene. Do you agree? You'll go, yeah, Steve, that's the rules. No problem. Cool. Now the order is really important. So I'm making your incubi fight last. Correct. Do you make me fight last? So you're going to roll two dice. Yep. And do you make my unit of rust stalkers fight last? I do. Okay. So therefore they're actually just going to go back one step, aren't they? So my, you've essentially took away my fight first bonus because I charge and you've now just put me at normal speed level. Correct. Yeah. But the incubi don't have fight first. So you're at the super slow level. So I'm still going to swing before you now. Now this was really important that I made this charge because otherwise you would have got to swing before me if I didn't use my relic on you first. Okay. 
But the most important thing is I need to swing, first of all, against the witches. Because I've got fight first and you've got fight first. The first unit I declare is the witches. So I swing with my five rust stalkers into your five witches and I probably kill most of them, right? Yep. That's the way I'd do it. Then the next unit that would fight is that you could have the option to use the interrupt stratagem with your Cabalites if you so choose to wish to do that. Yep. And I'm not too worried if the Cabalites want to fight my unit of Rust Stalkers because they're probably going to not do a great deal. So you can either use the interrupt stratagem with the Cabalites or any witches that are left can now fight. Correct. Yeah. So let's assume I killed all the witches to take that out of the equation. Are you going to use the interrupt stratagem with the Cabalites? I'll interrupt with the Cabalites just to try and do something before they meet their doom. Okay, so you kill maybe one or two Rust Stalkers. Yep. Happy with that. And then it would be my next charging unit because I have the fight first rule, which is the unit that charged into your Cabalites. So they would then swing next and they would kill off the Cabalites. Then the Incubi, because they're made to fight last, I get to go with my unit now that is just at normal speed, which is the unit of Rust Stalkers with the fight last relic onto the Incubi. They then swing and pick up the Incubi before the Incubi get to fight me. And that is the order I would do it in. Yeah, that's that's the perfect order. And that, that highlights exactly why it's important to think about order and to think about where you're putting those fight lasts. Um, if, especially if you're charging and you know that your opponent has a fight last, you need to think about counteracting that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because you yeah, can't, well you can't afford to not, you can't afford to take the risk on the incubi because then I lose a unit. Exactly. So I have to put the unit with the fight last into them. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That was a good scenario. That was a really yeah, good, good breakdown. Time. Yeah, love it. Well, Eddie, I think that covers everything for today. Good little sh- introductory show. So ladies and gents, if you um, enjoyed this episode today, uh, let us know on the Instagram at the Vanguard Tactics. By the way, I didn't use the Vanguard Tactics to be pretentious. Vanguard Tactics was taken. So anyway, I had to use the V first. Um, sorry, V as in T-H-E, Vanguard Tactics. Um, so if you want to go in, let us know what you think of the show. Or if you've got a question, drop us a direct message. I'll send those over to Eddie. And then also, if you enjoy the podcast, make sure you please leave us a review. Ideally, five stars. That's always nice. Uh, If you want to write us a review, that's also great because it helps other people find this podcast and really help share some of the things that we are trying to do. And ultimately, remember that when you're at the tabletop, always try and do what's fair. Organize things with your TO beforehand. If you're unsure of anything or get clarification, and if you know something slightly maybe janky, comp, you know, bit of contention, then check it with your opponent before you start rolling dice when everybody is happy, fair and balanced. And that is what we want to try to keep promoting. Um, once again, thanks to all of our show sponsors. It's Siege Studios, Foreground, Factorum, Entoyment, JW Gaming, all the links can be in our blog post, but without those guys, uh, this whole show wouldn't even happen. So thank you so much. Thank you to you, Eddie, as well for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to next week. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next episode of this Competitive Water Podcast. Take care.